God, church. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. I just want to ask you to join with me in prayer. I know we just prayed, we just worshiped, but God is doing something here this morning. He will do something, continue to do something. But join with me in prayer, please. Heavenly Father, oh, you're so awesome. You're so wonderful. You're so good, Lord. There's no one like you. There is no one that does the things that you do. Your word says that your ways and your thoughts in comparison to ours are as high as the heavens are from the earth. God, we don't think like you think. People, we don't do things like you do things. You do things greater, bigger, more awesome, more glorious, more powerful, greater than we can even comprehend or understand, Lord, is what your word says. Greater than we can even begin to think or, or ask, Lord God. And Lord, I know that you're here. Your kingdom is here. Your kingdom is here. Because you have a purpose. You intend to dwell with men. You intend to create in us a place of habitation for your Holy Spirit to dwell. And I pray, Lord, I pray over your people today. Lord God, that the hearts would be ready to receive. That ears would be open to hear what the Spirit is saying to us today. And Lord, that you would draw men unto yourself. That you would draw men unto yourself. That you would bless your people by coming through here, Lord Jesus. By walking through this city. By walking through these aisles. By revealing yourself through your word to your people. I hide behind you. I am just a vessel. But what really matters are the contents. It's you. It's your presence. It's your word. Let your word have free course here. Let your word be glorified here. Have thine own way, Father. I ask and pray these things in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. If you can open up your Bibles to the book of Ephesians. book of Ephesians, and we're going to be in there for a little while. I'm just going to quote different verses in there, different passages of Scripture. God is so gracious, church. He is gracious. We may not understand everything that is, that is happening. We may not fully comprehend everything that has happened, but I can promise you this much. God's word declares his grace towards you. Many of, many of the epistles and the letters begin with a salutation and they end. And a lot of times Paul, the Holy Spirit through Paul, spoke peace and grace to you peace and grace to you. And we skip over a lot of the times those salutations at the very beginning.
But that is so powerful. That is so powerful. When you consider who God is and how holy he is, and then you consider yourself, myself. When I consider myself and how unholy and how not worthy I am, it's so powerful that God would say peace to you, grace to you. I'm giving you things you don't deserve. If, there's a, if, there is a, if there is a book in the Bible that is packed with grace, it's the book of Ephesians. That is like a super punch of grace. It's Ephesians. The word, of, uh, the word in Ephesians, it starts with grace. In verse 2, it says, Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I just want you to know, the Holy Spirit wants you to know that God's intention to you is to give you grace and to give you peace from God our Father through the Lord Jesus Christ. And the book of Ephesians goes through the, it just, it's just seasoned with grace. It's seasoned with grace. It starts out with grace, how by God's grace we are saved. And then how we, through uh, the Christian life, how we are able to sustain and move forward and live a life of exceeding, and this is his words, not mine, of exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe. An exceeding greatness of his power. An exceeding greatness of his power. And by God's grace, how God through Jesus Christ, has given us a heavenly authority. He's given you a heavenly authority. How? He took you from the position that you were in. He took you from that pit. Can you turn me down just a little bit, brother? He took you down. He took you from that pit where you were at, and he brought you up. And you know where he brought you up? He didn't bring you up here on earth. He brought you up higher. He took you up to heavenly places. The Word of God says that we are seated in heavenly places. That's the grace of God. That he has given you and I that authority to live life. And not only that, but he has granted the riches of his glory. I'm, I'm getting like an echo. Sorry. He has granted the riches of his glory to strengthen us by his spirit in the inner man. In the inner man, in your spirit person that you are, in the spirit that you are, that you have, the soul that was born again. There are times where you go through things and you start to begin uh, getting weak if you don't stay in his presence. But if you stay in his presence and in his spirit, he will strengthen you in the inner man. Regardless of the circumstances, regardless of what's going on, regardless of what's happening at work or what's happening in your kids or what's happening in your job or what's happening in your marriage, he will strengthen you in the inner man by his spirit. That is God's grace. And not only that, but it talks about how Christ secured for us the gifts, the gifts of the Spirit that we need, and equipping us. He gives you the gifts so that you can operate in the fullness of the Spirit of God. And then not only does he do that, but he clothes you fully with the armor of God so that you can be the one that takes on the devil, so that you can be the one that wages war on the enemy. You know what? God, God is showing me something. There are people, there are and, and, and I'm putting myself in this, there are times where we, we become 
we, we, we choose to live in that as a victim. You know, we choose to live, even as a Christian, even as a Christian, there is a reason why, uh, you know, when, 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 when they were fighting the, the Philistines, the Israelites were fighting the Philistines, there is a reason why those Israelites were in that trench and they would see Goliath and be like, oh man, I don't, I don't want to go and fight him. They were afraid. They were afraid. Until David, a picture of Jesus Christ, and said, no, I will lead you to victory. And then once he did that, once David defeated Goliath, or really once, once Jesus defeated Satan on the cross and resurrected from the dead, he said, all right, come with me. And what happened? David took those Israelites and they took the spoils away from the Philistines. They took the fight to the enemy. But a lot of times we want to sit back and we get comfortable in this position that it's like, oh, well, if I go and fight, there's a fight there. I'd, I'd rather just not face that and deal with that. And I'd rather just not deal with that. And I, you get comfortable in this position. And Satan will not come to the Christian. And, he, you know, for, for those of you that are serving God, that are living for God, that, that desire God, you know what Satan does? He's not going to come and take away your salvation. The Word of God declares that no one is able to snatch anybody out of Jesus' hand. So he's not going to come and take you out. He can't do that. But you know what he does? What he does do is, okay, if I can't have you, if you're going to serve God, you're not going to serve God to the fullest. So what does he do? He tempts you. And you sin and you stumble. And where you live is you live in that place of condemnation. And then he's got you. If he can just have you come into church every Sunday and... and and, and going up to that altar, asking for forgiveness, and then same thing, wash, rinse, and repeat. But you're not out there taking the fight to the enemy. You're not out there declaring the gospel, the truth. You're not out there living a life in the power of the Spirit of God. You're powerless. And guess what? Satan has you. And God is saying, I'm done with that. You're done with that. You're done with that. It's time to be, it's not time for you to just sit back in the trenches and wait for Jesus to fight every battle. He said, no, come out, come out. I'll lead you to victory. I'm getting ahead of myself, but God is done with that. He's done with you living in condemnation. He's done with you living in that cycle. That's the crux. I gave away my ending, but I got too excited in God, amen? He has given us so much, church, exceeding greatness of power, like way more. He's given us that full armor of God. Why? So that we can wage warfare on the enemy. Not so that we just sit back in the trench and say, hey, look at this, this sword of the spirit. Yeah, this looks good. Wow, that's sharp. Wow, yeah, my feet are shod with the preparation of gospel peace. Look at this shield of faith. Looks good. It's shiny. No. It's, the, it's, it's so you that you can go out there and fight that war. I'm not saying that you're going to go and fight, you know, look for the next demon-possessed person and cast them out. I'm not saying go pick a fight. What I'm saying is that you will live a life of power and victory, and there will be times where those temptations come, and you'll be able to overcome them. You will overcome them. Sin shall not have dominion over you. And not only, so, so not only is that a picture of Satan trying to bring that fight against you, but you are bringing the fight against him. You're going into his territory. 
You're going into that workplace. You're going into that, in that job. You're going into that school. You're seeing those that are oppressed by the enemy. I got to stay on my notes. Because God has a plan. And it includes you. It includes you. The least of me, the least of these, me? Yeah. You know why? Because that's how God gets glory. God desires that. Oh, you, oh, 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 you don't realize how much God desires to use you. You are such a blessing, you don't even realize it. You don't realize it. How much God desires to use you. How much God is doing in you. He's done so much for you. He's secured so much through Jesus Christ for you. But instead you'd rather live here in this place where it's like, no, I'll just be comfortable here. And God is saying, no, I have so much more for you to experience. So much more for you. I have so much more. Ephesians 1, I already verse, Ephesians chapter 1, I already read verse 2, verse 3 through 6. Help me, Lord Jesus. Blessed be. Um, you know what, let me just give you one, just one thing. It, on your own time, when you go home, read through the book of Ephesians. Read through it. It's six chapters. You can read through it. We'll sit and watch a TV show or binge TV shows for hours, but we won't give the Word of God 15 minutes. Read through it. There's so much, especially Ephesians chapter 1. It's okay, I'm going to tell you right now. You don't have to speed read. It's okay for you to just take line by line, verse by verse. And if you don't understand, it's okay to read that verse all over again. And it's okay to ask God, God, I don't understand this. Reveal this to me. Reveal it to my spirit, what you're trying to communicate to me. Because God God's got so much. This chapter is pregnant pregnant with so much life this book is pregnant the word of God is pregnant with so much for you we live beneath that blessing like that woman that's bent over and walked around for 18 years because we live beneath the blessing and I just remembered as I was preparing this message pastor Jerry when he was right there the minute that you try to get up and and, and God's trying to pull you up so that you work at worship God Satan comes back and he says stay down you guys remember that he spoke that word in January to this church. And there's some that got the victory and they're up. And there's others that after, after the retreat, they came back and little by little, they, they, they keep, you're walking around like this. And God's trying to pull you up. He's trying to pull you up. I got to get to my notes here. Ephesians 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings. If I'm too loud, turn me down, brother. He has blessed us with all, everything you need, everything you need, all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. The, wor the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not on this earth, but we have everything we need in heaven. You have access to everything that you need in heavenly places. In Christ, according as he has chosen us, he chose you in him before the foundation of the world. Ooh! You know when you're standing and you're, getting wait, you're, you're waiting to get picked on that team? Jesus is saying, I want you. I want you. I want you. 
You know, there's those times where I'm like, oh, man, I'm not that good at this sport. I'm going to get picked last. You know what? I don't care if I got picked last. If I'm getting on Jesus' team, I don't care. Praise God because I'm on the winning team. I'm on the winning side. And you know what? Even greater than that, sometimes when you get picked on that team and you're that last pick, you know you're never going to get the ball. You know you're not going to get the ball because you're not good. But you know what? Jesus is handing the ball to you and he's saying, hey, go, go, go score me a touchdown. He's handing the ball to you. He's giving you the opportunity and the chance. It's your shot. So don't sit there. Don't be bent over. Don't sit back. Because he has secured everything for you in heavenly places in Christ. What has he done? According as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame. He already chose you to be holy. He already chose you to be without blame. And he's predestinated us to the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself. He adopted you. He brought you into his family to himself. According to the good pleasure of his will, it pleases God. It is his will. It is his good pleasure to bring you to himself. Even in my sin, even in my doubts, yes. Why? Verse 6, to the praise of the glory of his grace. Oh, what a wonderful grace. To the praise of the glory of his grace. Wherein he has made us accepted in the beloved. Meaning, when you are in Jesus Christ, God accepts you. God accepts you. Not in ourselves, and not for ourselves, but to the praise of the glory of his grace. Turn to Ephesians 2, verse 4. Ephesians 2, verse 4. There's so much, you guys. God help me. But you know what? It's like today, we're, we're you know, you go, you go to, <laughs> you, you, you go to, um, I don't know, a restaurant, and it's like, you get the food, and it's not your restaurant, and it's like, okay, yeah, this is good. You know, other people want it, and it's like, eh, but I'll eat it, you know. Uh, and I should be, and I'm thankful that we have food, but you know what I mean, right? Um, there's a certain someone that's like, I want to take them out to, on a special, thing, special date or, you know, go out to eat, and I'm like, what do you want to eat? Sushi or, what do you want to eat? I want Chick-fil-A. Are you sure? Chick-fil-A. Cheap date, I guess, so works for me. But this meal right here, oh, I'm telling you, and it's not me. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. This meal right here, God has spread it out. He's given you a spread, and it's like that Brazilian barbecue. It's just going to keep coming. It's just going to keep coming. It's just going to keep coming. It's going to be overwhelming. I'm, not, I'm telling you right now. But it's setting you up so that you will allow Christ to do what he wants to do in your life. Ephesians 2 verse 4 says this, But God who is rich in mercy for his great, li li listen to these um, adjectives. I'm taking you back to grammar. Listen to these adjectives, right? But God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us. He's given us life together with Christ. By grace you are saved. 
and has raised us up to sit together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. What is the gift of God? Salvation, your faith. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Our salvation begins with the grace of God. It is completely the grace of God. Before he formed this world, before he created this world, before the foundations of the world, he chose, he chose you. He said, I want them. Before you ever breathe a breath, before you ever did anything good, before you ever sinned, he knew you and he chose you. What a grace. It starts in grace, and the grace sustains you all the way through to eternity. And then in, two, in chapter 2, Actually, I'm going to keep going. It was God's grace that saved us, and it's God's grace that will strengthen us and keep us saved. Why? Why? And I said it already earlier. God chooses weak things like myself so that he will be glorified. He chooses weak people, the weak things, the foolish things. He chooses the ones that are the outcasts, the down and outers. He chooses... The ones that no one would give a second chance or give a second. He chooses those. I love the message. Man, Pastor, Pastor's been on fire lately. I mean, he's always on fire, but. He chose those that were in debt, in distress, and discontented. You guys remember that? He chose, who's that? That's you and me. In debt, discontented in distress and he made us he david made them god made them a mighty army the mighty man and god is making oh yes thank you lord i thought about this on the way here this is what god is doing he is making you and i a mighty army oh i'm telling you the truth i know it I'm telling he's raising up generals, he's raising up captains, he's raising up mighty soldiers. You may not see it, you may not believe it, but God is doing it. God is doing it. I know there's some of you that believe it, and there's some that are like, I, I don't even know what he's talking about. That's okay, just come. Just come. It doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter... If you're, if, 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 it doesn't, you know what's awesome? It doesn't even matter if you're in your sin right now. It doesn't even matter if you're in sin right now. Jesus is saying, I want you. That's the God that I serve. Oh, hallelujah. That's the God that I serve. When, when, when people, when people are, you know, become self-righteous and it's like, oh, that person over there, no, they're, they're, no, they're no good. Don't, don't you know what kind of person they are? Jesus is saying, that's the one that I want. That's the one I want. And I think that after a while, 
we forget. When you serve God for a while, we forget that. Because we start to think it depends on us. We start to think it depends on our righteousness. We start to think, well, you know, I sinned today or I didn't sin today. We start to think that if it, it depends on how righteous I live before God, that my salvation and my relationship with God is dependent on my righteousness. And I'm here to tell you, it's not. It's never been that. It was never that when it first started, when you first got saved, it was never based on your righteousness. And when you are in Christ, it's never been on your righteousness. It's on the righteousness that Jesus Christ gave to you. He bestowed upon you. He put the robe of righteousness on you. That didn't come from us. It's his robe. And he said, Kyle, I'm putting that robe on you. Priscilla, I'm putting that robe on you. I'm putting my righteousness on you. That prodigal son, he put that robe on him. It was a robe of righteousness. Even though he was a prodigal son and he was out, he was out doing things, ungodly things, sinful things. What the father do? He gave him the robe and he said, I'm putting my robe of righteousness on you. I'm putting a ring on you. That ring is an authority. I'm doing so much for you. I have to say this. I am not advocating. I am not here to say, well, you can live unrighteously and do whatever you want. I am not saying that. Don't turn God's grace and an opportunity and a license for you to go sin. Don't do that. Don't do that. Because as great as his grace is, as wonderful as his love is, as awesome, exceeding greatness of power and riches that he has bestowed upon you, so is the same with his judgment. So is the same with how, with, 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 with God's holiness. And God is not an imbalanced God. He's not an imbalanced God. In fact, being imbalanced is an abomination to God, the word of God says. So I'm not saying, hey, now you can take God's grace and go live life wherever you want. No, the way you want. No, God is saying, take my grace and go live for me the way you can't live on your own. You know, even it's just been grace, 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 grace. Grace upon grace is what the word of God says in John chapter 1. He gave us grace upon grace. He's just giving you more and more and you don't deserve it. And he's just giving you more and it just keeps coming. Even the book of Ephesians, the last salutation, he says to them, Grace be with all them that love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. In sincerity, do you sincerely love God? When you do, when you do, his grace is going to continue to be extended to you. You know, I was in prayer. I was in prayer and God was revealing some things to me. He was revealing some things about people and he didn't give me specific people here. But there are some of you. There are some of you, and I, I wrote these things down, I want to read them. There are some of you that are living fully in the power of the Spirit of God. You're living fully in the power of the Spirit of God. There are some of you that are dressed with the full armor of God. With the full armor of God. With all of it. 
Some of us take those helmets of salvations off, salvation off and we watch things and we allow things to enter our minds that shouldn't be in there. We remove the breastplate of righteousness and we open up our hearts to things that the devil wants to do. When God is saying, be clothed with the full armor of God, some of you are doing that. And you're not wrestling against flesh and blood. What you're doing when you're clothed with the full armor of God, when you're fully living in the power of the Spirit, you take the fight against the enemy. And it's not a carnal fight. It's not me versus my teacher, me versus my parents, me versus my coaches, me versus my coworkers, me versus whoever it is, my neighbor. Because if you realize and if you know when you're in the Spirit of God, it's a spiritual warfare. And you take that fight, and the Word of God is clear. We don't fight against flesh and blood. We fight against principalities. We fight against rulers of wickedness in high places in, heaven, in the heavenly realm. There are some of you that are doing that. And you're taking the fight to the enemy in prayer. And you're moving mountains. That's what Jesus wants us to do. That's what Jesus has um, secured for us to do. He has given us faith. And if you have faith as small as the mustard seed, you'll say to this mountain, move, and it'll be moved. That's what God wants you to do. And the word that I have for you today is this. Keep seeking God. Keep seeking God. Keep staying in his presence. And to be careful not to think that you stand on your own strength lest you fall. But stay before God and be strong in the power of his might. Live in the reality of who God is and live in the reality of who God says you are. Live in the boldness that God has given you. Live in the position of authority God has given you. As we read earlier, you are seated in heavenly places. And when you're in authority, when you're the boss, you can say things. You can do things. You can command things. The devils are subject to you by the authority of Christ, not by my, my, not by my word or by my, by my blood or by my righteousness or by my spirit, but it's by his spirit. There are people that when they're in the game, they just see what's here, what's right in front of them. And there are people that can look at the whole picture and they're two, three, four, five moves ahead of you. And that's what the Spirit does. The Spirit is not reactionary to what the devil is doing. The Spirit gives you vision to be able to see things that are going to be done that he wants to complete through you. And he'll give you this, oh, he'll, you'll pray in the Spirit the things that are supposed to be happening. You'll pray in the Spirit things before you even know about them. He'll show you things. He'll do, he'll do awesome things through you. What does he want to do? Ephesians chapter 3 says this in verse 10. To the intent, to this purpose, okay, to this intent. This is what God intends. To the intent that now unto principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church, the manifold wisdom of God, 
according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. What, what is he saying? He's saying that his intention is through the church, through you and I, to make known God's wisdom to who? To principalities and powers in heavenly places. What does that mean? What he's saying is, I am taking you, the weak things. I am taking you, the base things. I'm taking you where there's nothing good in you. And I am revealing to those heaven, in that heavenly realm, to those principles, to the devil, to Satan, to all his demons. I'm revealing, God is saying, my wisdom through you, through my church. That's a powerful thing, church. You are the championship team. I'm not just saying that to prop you up, but I feel like I'm saying this, and you guys don't understand. It, get it, uh, God, reveal it in their spirit, Lord. Reveal it in their spirit, God. That God has chosen you to reveal to the devil he's a loser. He's a loser. Why? Because of what God did in you. That's powerful. Man, that's so awesome. Hallelujah. And God also showed me in prayer that there are some, and I already got to, I already spoke about this earlier. There are some that live in that place where you're bowed down. And you know what God showed me? I was driving a couple days ago, and, and the Lord just, this is what you're talking about. This is what you're preaching. <clears throat> Living, the title of this message is Living in the Denial of Who God Is. Living in the denial of who God is. And some people might think, oh, that's the atheist, or that's the person that doesn't believe that there's a God, or that's the person that doesn't believe that, that Jesus died for them. You know who that person is? That's the person that lives in condemnation. Condemnation is living in denial of who God is. Living in denial of God's character. And God is ready to take you out of that place. He's ready to lift you up out of that place. He's ready for you to mortify the, the flesh, to mortify, to put to death the deeds of the flesh, to put to death that besetting sin. He's ready to mortify those things that the devil has tried to use so that you're living constantly in that place of condemnation. He's ready to do that. Are you ready to receive from him? Because some people, they're like, I, I like my sin, and that's the problem. That's the problem. The word of God says, make no provision for, fle for the flesh. Don't give the devil an inch to work in your life. God is so ready. He's beyond ready. He's beyond ready to take you up, to pull you up. He's so ready to deal with the things and for you to deal with the things that, that trouble you from your past. God can't use me because this is, I was abused sexually. God can't use me because I did this to somebody else. God can't use me because I didn't murder someone with, physically, but I murdered them with my tongue. And I still use my tongue to murder them. God can't, use, God can't do something in me. 
God can't restore me to that. This is what you tell yourself. God can't restore me to the place that I was before because of, because of whatever, my change, the change in my heart because of the things that I did, because I neglected him. Because when he would try to pull me to be away with him, I would put him to the side. God can't use me. God can't talk to me. That's a lie from the devil. And you know how I know that? Because that was me. That was me. That was me. There were times, man, where I was on, on just that glory cloud with the Lord and God was talking to me in my ear and I began to neglect that. I began to neglect him. It, when he would wake me up in the early morning and I'd say, oh, Lord, just let me sleep. And I'd begin to neglect him. And then there came that time where I didn't hear his voice anymore. And, I, and, and it plagued me for years. It plagued me for years. God can't talk to me. God doesn't talk to me anymore. You know what he was really trying to do? Hey, Kevin, I can talk to you still and I will talk to you still. But you know what? You can't neglect all the words that I've written in here. You want me to talk to you? Here you go. Here you go. God was doing that in me. There were times where I made a mistake. I sinned. I did something wrong. And I dealt with the condemnation of it. But oh, the word of God. Oh, the word of God that sets a man free. The truth shall set you free. Oh, God. And not just in me, church. Not just in me. Not only did he do that in me. And I forgot to mention, he filled me with the Holy Ghost. He did that in me. He gave me something I didn't have. He gave me something greater. That's what God does. You, you, you're trying to get to the, 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 the same place. You know, you're, you're trying to get to the, the same height. God's saying, no, 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 no. I'm actually trying to take you greater. I'm actually trying to take you higher. I'm actually trying to show you more. I'm actually trying to show you how great my grace is, even though you neglected me. Even though you live in condemnation, I'm actually trying to do more in you. Because what that does is it actually gives you a platform to be able to say, hey, this is what God did in me. He's going to do that in you. And the thing that the devil tries to use to destroy your life is actually a platform for you to be able to say, hey, God did this in me. God did this in me. That's the awesome thing about God is God can use even your failures. He does things way greater, much greater, much bigger, exceeding greatness. And God is ready. God is ready to do that. How do I know? He did that in me. But in the word of God, he did it in Abraham. Oh, you know what? Let me ask you guys this. If you had to pick in the Old Testament the greatest prophet, who was that? Anybody? Who's it? Moses. Thank you. If you had to pick the greatest king of Israel, who would that be? David. And I already gave you the first answer. If you had to pick the greatest patriarch, Abraham. Abraham, Moses, and David. What do those guys have in common? They all failed. They all failed. They all failed. Some of you got the, they all failed. 
Abraham, God gave him the promise. He said, I'm going to give you this land and I'm going to give you a son. And what did Abraham do when he went down to Egypt? When there was that drought, he lied to Pharaoh. And then again, he lied to King Abimelech. He said, Sarah is not my wife, she's my sister. He lied. And then not only that, but then you guys know when Sarah said, you know what, I'm old, you're old. You know what, why don't you just go do your thing with my mistress and then you'll have that son that God promised you. And he did that and he got Ishmael. He's saying, I'm trying to help you, God. Don't try to help God. Don't try. You know what? I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Don't try to help God. Don't think that your plan B is better than God's plan for you. I'm serious right now. I, I, I'm serious. The Holy Ghost just wants me to stay here for a minute. Don't go and go, for, go after plan B when God has a plan A for you. And plan A is way better for you. I don't know what it's about. I don't know if it's a relationship. I don't know if you're, you're, you're trying to get a different job or you're buying a house. I don't know if you think it's better to go get divorced. I don't know what it is. But don't go with plan B. Don't go with plan B. That'll be so much harder, so much difficult. And not only that, it's going to create a long list of problems and issues that, oh, man, you don't want to deal with. You think it's hard now? Just wait till you go with plan B. Don't try to help God. Just wait on God. Be patient in God. The word of God says, this is a tough word, but it says you have need of patience. No one wants to hear that. No one wants to hear that. But God is saying, just wait. You have need of patience. Let me do what I'm going to do, and it'll be better than your plan. Because Ishmael was born, and then that birthed the Muslims, and the Muslims and the Israelites, the Jews, to this day, are still fighting. Don't go with plan B. Abraham decided to go with plan B. But you know what was said about Abraham? It was recorded in the New Testament, in Hebrews, you don't have to turn to it, Hebrews 11, that Abraham looked for a city that has foundations who built, whose builder and maker is God. That's what, that in the hall of faith, Abraham was honored. And not only that, it says that he desired a better country and that God was not ashamed to be called his God. God was not ashamed to be called Abraham's God. And not only that, it says about Abraham that when he offered up Isaac in faith, it was accounted unto him as righteousness. God honored Abraham, and he didn't say, hey, look at Abraham, remember all these things he did and the failures. No, no, no. He said, this is my servant Abraham who is called a friend of God. That's how God looks at you and I. He doesn't look at you and your failures. Oh, I'm getting ahead of my He doesn't look at you and your failures. What about Moses? Moses, in his anger, came down, saw the Israelites sinning, broke the two tablets with the Ten Commandments written with the finger of God. He was a hothead. He was a hothead. Some of you deal with anger issues, and man, I know, it's hard to deal with that. You feel like, you feel like, God, will I ever change? Oh, hallelujah. You feel like, God, will I ever change? This is how I'm always going to be. No. God will give you his Holy Spirit. 
And the fruit of the, one of the fruit of the Spirit is peace, self-control. That is the God that we serve, and God transforms us. He changes us. We don't have to win. We will not live in anger. We will not live losing our, our control, lose, losing our anger, being a hothead. That's the Holy Ghost that we serve. That's what he does. That's not even on my notes. But I know God wants to say that to you. Moses came down in anger. He broke those two tablets. When God told him, hey, speak to the rock so that water will come out, what did he do? He disobeyed God. Not only did he disobey God, the word says God told him. He said, you and your brother Aaron, you're not going to go in because you disobeyed me and because of your unbelief. And what he did was instead of speaking to that rock, he hit that rock twice. That rock was a picture of Christ. Christ died once, not twice, for the Holy Spirit to come, for the times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord to come. But Moses misrepresented God. He hit that rock. And God said, you're not going into that promised land because of what you did. But you know what God says in the New Testament? It says, number one, that there was no one, and this is in the book of Hebrews, there was no one in the book of Hebrews chapter 3, there was no one that was faithful in all his house like Moses my servant was. That's how God chose to talk about Moses. And not only that, but Moses prophesied at the end of his life, even after all his failures, okay, even after all his failures, at the end of his life, he told the, he told the Israelites, God will raise up a prophet. He'll raise up a prophet like me. And him, you need to listen to. Him, you, sh you need to hear. What a thing to say. What a thing to say that the Holy Spirit would put in his, in his lips to say, God is going to raise up someone like me, even after all the failures that he had. The Bible says that no one knew God, and God, that Moses was the greatest prophet, and that the Lord knew Moses face to face. Face to face. What a relationship with God. So we see with, Ab we see with Abraham, we see with Moses. What about David? Oh, David. Let's save the best for last. Pastor just preached about Bathsheba, about him lying, about him murdering, about him trying to cover it up. You know, and even when David was running away from Saul, this is what set me free when I was dealing this, with that condemnation just a few weeks ago. Even when David was running away from Saul, David went to the priest, Ahimelech, and Ahimelech's like, hey, what, what are you doing here? Why did you come here in such a hurry? What's going on? And he said, oh, well, uh, Saul, he sent me on this mission. You know, he sent me on a secret mission, and uh, I don't have enough bread for my guys. Do you have any bread? And do you have any sword? Do you have a sword? He was lying. He was lying to the priest of God. He lied. And there were times that David lied. He, when, when, when he went to King Achish, he, he acted like a fool. He acted like a crazy man, like a madman. Why? Because he was afraid. David failed when he got upset with Nabal. He was ready to go down and murder him in his anger. And the grace of God prevented him through Abigail to not murder Nabal. 
David failed and failed and he failed and he failed and he failed. He counted the people. The people, when he wasn't supposed to, he should have trusted in God. Right? I could just keep going on with David's failures. And guess what? David was the one that if there is any central figure in Jesus' lineage, it's that you come, that he came through the line of David. Even in David's failure, God knowing that, he said, you know what? This is the one that I want the son of David, I'm going to tie my son Jesus, the Savior, I'm going to tie him to David's name forever. Forever. God is so bigger. He's so greater. He's so much more awesome. I, I, I don't have the words to explain. Even in your failures, even in the things that you've done, even in the sin you may be in right now, God, I'm telling you right now, God chooses not to remember you in those things. God chooses not, let me read, God does not choose to remember, okay? This is the very crux right here. Pay attention to this word of God. God does not choose to remember, nor can he remember your sins and your failures when you are in Christ. He does not choose to remember, nor can he remember your sins and your failures when you are in Christ. And I'm going to tell you something else. You think it's for what I've done, but God does, what God does is it's for your past, it's for your present, and it's for your future. I'm not setting you up to fail. I'm just setting you up for God's grace. You know how I know that? Because when they were in the upper room and God was, God was sharing, okay, you know, I'm going to be betrayed, right? I'm going to be betrayed. And, and Peter speaks out and he says, I'll never betray you, Lord. I'll, I'll go all the way even to the death. And the Lord Jesus told Peter his failure before it was even going to happen. He told them, before the rooster crows three twice, you're going to deny me thrice. Before the rooster crows twice, you're going to deny me three times. He was already telling him, you're going to fail me, Peter. You're going to fail me. And you know what's so awesome about it? That encourages me so much. Is that even though Jesus knew of Peter's failure that was going to happen, in the, in, happen later on that night. God still told, Jesus still told him, I prayed for you that your faith fail not. And not only that, but I am using you as a key figure, as a central figure to build my church. I want you to realize how grace, how great God's grace is. It extends not just to your past sins, not, to, not just to where you're at today. But even it carries you all the way to eternity. That is God's grace. That's the grace of God. What an awesome grace. Did that stop Jesus from picking Peter? No. No, it didn't. Does that prevent Jesus from picking you? No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. I don't care if you were looking at pornography last night or this morning. You know why I don't care? Because I know God doesn't care. 
I don't care if you threaten your husband and your wife to, to serve them divorce papers. God doesn't care. It doesn't matter if you, whatever you were doing, just a few hours, it doesn't matter. What matters is that Jesus is here and you're here and Jesus is saying, come to me. He's saying, come to me. He's saying, I'm ready to deal with you. I'm ready to do something spiritual in you. Are you going to let me do this? I want to ask the worship team to come up as I close. You know, I have so much, but it's okay. The Word of God, the Bible says that He cast our sins into the sea. The Word of God says that He removes our transgressions as far as the east is from the west. The Word of God says, I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. It is an abundant grace and His grace is sufficient for you and for me. And I'm telling you what God is wanting to do, okay? What he's wanting to do is this. He's wanting to take you to the next level in him. There's this term that's going around, leveling up. He's level, he's, he, he wants you to level up. He wants to take you up to the next level. Will you take him? We, we look at the miracles of things like the fishes and the loaves, when, when Jesus turned water into wine. And it's so easy to take that and make that about provision and to make that about finances. But you know what that's really about? The miracles of the fishes and the loaves, the, the miracles where God provides in abundance, is, that is really about his character. That's really about his grace. That's really about his loving kindness. That's really about what he's wanting to do in you, the abundance that he has for you. That's what that's about. And I have, I have to say this. I know I called you guys up, but I have to say this. God wants you to think about this. Because he reminded me in this in prayer yesterday. There was the, the woman that dealt with the issue of blood for 12 years. 12 years. Life was just coming out of her. That's what blood is. It's life. And life was just coming out of her. For 12 years, for 18 years, that woman walked around like this. 18 years under, the word says, that spirit of infirmity. It's a demonic thing. It's a devilish thing to try to keep you like this, to try to suck the life out of you. For 38 years, that man laid there by the pool of Bethesda. 38 years a paralytic. Satan wants to suck the life out of you. He wants to keep you beneath the blessing of God. And he wants to keep you paralyzed from living in the fullness of God. And you know what Jesus said when he came to that man that was paralyzed? He said, will you be made well? Do you want to be made well? And the question that Jesus has is he's walking by and he's looking at you. He's asking you, do you want to be made well? Well, this is the way that I've always been. 
this is how I lived when I was a kid, and this is what was done to me, and so I'm acting the same way. That's not the question. Do you want to be made well? Well, I'm comfortable here, and there's no one to carry me into the pool. There's no one that will come pray with me. No, that's not the question. Do you want to be made well? Well, my parents said that I'd never amount to anything, and my mom and dad told me that they know. No, that's not the question. The question is, do you want to be made well? Well, I've been stuck in pornography for years, and nobody knows it, and I'm addicted to it. That's not the question. The question is, do you want to be made well? Because Jesus is here in this place to make you well. And the altars are open for you to come up. He's ready to do it. Are you ready to do it? Heavenly Father, as we open these altars, Lord God, I know, oh, Holy Spirit, you know that there are people that are dealing with things that I don't know, God. I don't know, God. But you know, Lord. You know the depths. And, Lord, you're ready to pull them out of that depth. You're ready to do something eternal in them. You're ready to pull them out, Lord, and give them victory by the blood of Jesus Christ. And I pray, Lord, that you would minister as they come, Lord. You would minister to them. You would do a mighty work in them. In the name of Jesus.